0: Now, this is Box to Box. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello
1: and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and Willem van Dender to run the rule over the past week in the World Game. First edition news shortly, but first up... With the A-League seasons fast approaching, last week we flagged that the Ross Aloisi era had arrived at the Brisbane Roar following their come-from-behind quarter-final win against the Western Sydney Wanderers, and it only gets better after an emotional semi-final victory over the Melbourne Knights in the semi to advance to the final against Sydney FC in a couple of weeks' time. No better way to find out how he's turned the ship around than going straight to the source, so we'll talk to Ross himself shortly. Then, while we cover the domestic leagues and the English top flight as closely as possible, we do like to take a trip around the football world world when the stories catch our eye and in recent times German football has held plenty of interest of course from an Australian point of view Jackson and Irvine and commoner Metcalf at St Pauli who without their talismanic captain Irvine have jumped a second on the Bundesliga 2 ladder, but from a broader point of view, of course, the appointment of Julian Nagelsmann as the manager of Die Mannschaft following the brief but dramatic period under Hansi Flick. Can he pull the side together ahead of next year's Euros on home soil? Then, of course, there's the arrival of Harry Kane, who's slipped like a hand in a glove at Bayern Munich. will sweep across it all with Kit Holden from The Athletic. So Derek Edge is on the bench this week. He'll probably be tuning in at some point uh, soon, but um, there's plenty... Tourists to go through, and your last show before you take a a month off to to head back home. Um, you're uh, you're ready to get into it, mate. You might miss us while you're away. We'll, we'll get a few voice notes, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah. Good evening, gentlemen. And yeah, I, I am looking forward to sending my thoughts from afar. I'll obviously, be taking advantage of watching uh, the football that is closest to my heart at the time that it's on, or certainly at a good time that it's on, and hopefully, I'll catch match of the day on Saturday nights and a few live games on Sky and, of course, catching a game in person as well as I head to Emirates Stadium in a few weeks from now and that game already looking beautifully poised as one of the pivotal moments of the season. So, yeah, I'm very excited about getting on the plane and getting over there, Rob.
1: Well, I'm really hoping that you do us a favour now, mate, because I know we're going to sort of expand through it, but um, the result, of course, of that North London derby helped um, a certain Merseyside side, but, um, well, I'm sure you're going to go through that all.
3: Yeah, we'll go through it. Before I get there, Rob, thank you for the week off last week. You guys disclosed the success of the Glenora Griffins premiers in the uh, Div 1 of the Vaffa up to Prem C uh, next year. As we say, we don't talk about it too often, but uh, nine days on, couldn't be happier or more content with what uh, the boys were able to achieve. That's why we do it. I mean, we talk about these trophies and cups as if they're a little bit run-of-the-mill players, win them, lose them, roll on to the next one. But for your local footballers and your local um, soccer players cricketers whatever it might be uh yeah that's why that's why we love sports so yeah no very happy very content congratulations mate from all of us we 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 shouted you out last
1: week of course for good reason you'd had you'd earned your mad monday off mate i'm just surprised you're not wearing your premiership medallion around your neck um
3: i was in reasonable shape by the monday afternoon i did work tuesday but yeah rob sunday night maybe uh maybe different story but Australia Cup, and then into some big Premier League news. Sydney FC and Brisbane Raw will contest the final on October 7 or 8, having progressed past Melbourne City and Melbourne Knights on Sunday. The Sky Blues advanced to a fourth cup final after sweating through the latter stages uh, of a game that they largely controlled, 2-1 in the end, They'll be looking to add to their 2017 triumph under Graham Arnold. And the Roar advanced courtesy of 18-year-old Thomas Waddingham's third goal in three. That took them past the Knights before over 5,000 at Summer Street. So well done to the Knights. That's another great display, Rob, of what a national second division could look like. And we're going to chat to Ross Aloisi shortly. The Roar, it should be said, have a shocking record in this competition. And that speaks to where they've been over the past eight or nine years. Prior to last year, they'd made just one quarter final in six. But they have set about correcting that. Last year, they made the semi final, and this year into a a maiden decider. And I did enjoy the tweet, the meme that they put up. Not sure if you uh, you did catch it, Robert, with the success of the Lions and the Broncos around Brisbane Town. The Brisbane Raw media person put up the the Spider-Man meme, the three of the same looking at each other. Mm -hmm. Just trying to muscle in. I'm not sure the Australia Cup just yet holds the same weight uh, as the AFL and NRL deciders. But you've got to start somewhere. So I did enjoy that effort uh, from the Raw.
1: No, no, why not? I know Ross is really um, wanting to tap into that Queensland spirit, so it'll be fascinating to listen to, to how he, he plans to do
3: that. Arsenal and Tottenham have retained their respective unbeaten starts to the Premier League season with a 2 all draw in the North London derby. Twice the Gunners took the lead through incidents involving Spurs defender Christian Romero. Twice Tottenham hit back through song Hyung Min to ultimately share the points. Elsewhere at Bramall Lane, Newcastle unleashed real punishment on Sheffield United to win 8-0 and leave Paul Heckingbottom and his assistant Stuart McCall in particular in real distress uh, on the touchline, Derek. That was uh, that was grim. And it should be said before we touch on the, uh, the North London derby and Sheffield United that uh, the Blades' poor showing on the pitch was put into perspective by the passing of one of their women's players this week, Maddie Cusack, at 27. she played over 100 times for the club and was honoured well, throughout the week and, and pre-game, so that was dealt with uh, and, and respected with the, uh, the requisite level of uh, of uh, emotion and, and feeling. So, uh, all the best to uh, to her family and to the club. But on the pitch, Derek, I, uh, a word on Arsenal, Tottenham, and then to you, Rob, on Sheffield United.
2: Well, firstly, just thank
3: God this week is over. I've, I've been
2: inundated with various social media post pictures of, and you'd have thought this was the battle for the end of the universe, not a a game four or five matches into a season. So I am just absolutely delighted that we won't be thinking about Arsenal Tottenham for a few months. Uh, The game looked pretty balanced. Uh, A draw seemed a reasonable result, some interesting refereeing decisions uh, for both sides. Uh, But I think it's a better point for Tottenham than it is for Arsenal. But as you said at the start there, it's Arsenal that are still unbeaten, having not yet played anywhere near the football that they would like to play. So they've got a try and hold on to that but you know fair play to tottenham they usually get um annihilated by us at the emirates and they put in a great great performance there
1: i think it's 32 years they um uh, uh they've um only won twice in in that time so uh now i'm not gonna put the the, the boot in um i i only watched the the 25 minute package of the game and uh uh, and and I agree with you that uh, that Spurs seemed um, to to be the better for that point, but uh, it was uh, a classic derby in, in so far as the the tension and the contest. But Song Yong-min, hasn't he turned it around? From a, just a pure football point of view, he had a, an ordinary season last season. Harry Kane's departure really needed somebody to step up, and uh, and to his credit, he's uh, he's really found his absolute best and. Uh, and with James Madison and uh, and the rest of that squad, they're, they're doing great things. But I'm not going to continue on that track, Derek, because I know you've had an absolute enough of it. But you mentioned, obviously, the Newcastle-Sheffield match. So, obviously, no uh, Champions League hangover for the Magpies. Uh, but, I mean, 8-0, it was uh, a scintillating display, as uh, as the BBC uh, wrote, and I guess every other uh, analysis of, of that match uh, indicated. I mean, they, they had had a pretty wobbly start to, to the season in Newcastle and this uh, puts them just... Uh, um, well, what five points out of uh, the, the top four now, and um, and with the bullets, uh, Eddie Howe was at one point a couple of weeks ago staring into the abyss of, of the potential sack, but uh, he's turned it right around. And uh, but Sheffield United, I mean, if we ever seen, or um, obviously we do see on some occasions, uh, you know, sides that are promoted. Uh, just not be able to compete. But it's been a long while since um, we've seen a couple of sides, uh, Sheffield United and Luton in particular, um, so uncompetitive.
2: Yeah, a little teaser for stoppage time, Rob, that we're going to be talking about this subject. The bottom three places in the Premier League are occupied by the three promoted teams. Uh, It's not a great start for any of them. uh, And I'll be speculating whether this is the worst crop of promoted
3: teams in some time if not ever so mm-hmm. stop his time later in the week for that one and before- Four, we get two Socceroos and Matildas Central. Julian Nagelsmann has been appointed German manager until the end of the Euros, six months after he was dismissed from Bayern Munich. He again succeeds Hansi Flick in the role, as he did in Bavaria. Still just 36. Rob, he reportedly sees his future in club football, but obviously, as you would be, was enticed by the prospect of a major tournament on home soil. And this might be a question for Kit Holden a little bit later on, but the links between Jurgen Klopp and shaft long-term won't go away to you as a Liverpool supporter. Porter feel that they're legitimate, or is it just convenient given where he's at with his career?
1: I feel like it's the latter. I mean, if, you, if Julian Nagelsman manages to get a tune out of uh, the national side, then uh, then why would he go anywhere? I mean, national sides do have a, a, a long heritage of sticking with uh, their managers uh, if uh, if there's some consistency and even you know a, a glimmer of success. But then again, uh, the German national side. Isn't just used to glimmers of success, they're used to lifting trophies, and that's the expectation there. But now that they've come back to the field and have done for, for some time now, uh, uh, it's um, you know, Yogi Lowe uh, was able to to uh, to trade off uh, his successes, his World Cup win, obviously, for, for a lot longer than most other managers would have. Perhaps, uh, the fact that he outstayed his welcome for so long, uh, is an indication of, of how far they've dropped. So, look, I, I just think that's a matter of watch this space and and at Klopp's. Uh, not given any indication that he wants to leave Liverpool. He's got a, a, a new opportunity to, to, to fight and compete for the title this season. Uh, and, and as we all know, the, uh, the difference between being a manager who, who rarely gets your players as opposed to you know multiple games in a week and, and the, uh, the jeopardy and, and the
3: intensity of club football, they're, they're entirely different things. Socceroos Amatildo Central for the Green and Gold Army. Still space on that London bus for the Green and Gold Army's tour. You can see the boys take on England and New Zealand. Sam Kerr start the season on fire for Chelsea, as she almost certainly will, and Angus Tottenham's side in that uh, cracking new stadium. Packages are also now on sale for January's Asian Cup. Edge and his team by now know uh, Doha like the back of their hand, their backside, however you want to go with it. So by uh, by now, so jump onto gga.travel.com.au and set the wheels in motion wonder if Mass Luongo is half a chance of selection after all. He's just turned 31 this week and we know Arnie has plumped for the younger midfield but I'll keep beating the drum as long as he keeps scoring. He's done so with the winner for Ipswich in a 4-3 victory over Blackburn Rovers. Man of the match honours for Mass. Goals everywhere uh, this week really. Riley McGree has battled this season as have Middlesbrough but one of his goals helped them defeat Southampton 2-1. In Italy Alessandro Cercati scored his first goal for Parma as they rescued a draw against Sampdoria Rob we know that uh, there were quite a few Simon Hill uh, among them that were surprised not to see him take the field against Mexico but we know Arnie has huge wraps on him so possibly uh, in these upcoming two friendlies we might see him make his debut Uh, and goals galore around all goals in Scotland Ryan Strain and Lewis Miller uh, and right around Asia Mitch Duke Craig Goodwin Jason Cummings and Dimitri Petratos all found the net for their sides
1: yeah, excellent. Well, uh, good news and, um, and 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 good signs ahead of uh, what's going to be a pretty busy international period. Well,
3: quick word for Kevin Musket uh, and Yokohama as well. I know I touch on him pretty frequently, but they've only got five weeks to go. Uh, they trail by a point. They had to come from behind, win over Kashima on the weekend that keeps that uh, at the ledger. They do head to Kobe this Friday, so that is one against two, eight pm uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. That could possibly decide uh, the title. So good luck to Kev and his squad.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, well said. Okay. Um, after the break, we're going to talk to Ross Aloisi. Um, questions as to whether he would ever get the top job. He was uh, the perennial assistant and uh, and finally he, he gets his gig and if his performances or at least his club's performances in the Australia Cup so far are any indication, then we're probably going to see the, the most competitive Brisbane Raw side that we've seen in many, many years. Stick around. After the break, it's time to talk to Ross Aloisi, Brisbane Raw star.
0: Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal
1: of all. Yes, this is box to box now. We set off the top of the show. We're nearing a decade since Brisbane Rule last lifted silverware. And while the club has had its share of challenges since, they're just a win away from adding. Another trophy to that store cabinet. Now Ross Saloisi has only been a manager since their manager since May, but he now leads them into their first Australia Cup final against Sydney FC in a fortnight, and we welcome him to the show. How are you, Ross?
4: Yeah, I'm very well, thank you.
1: So, Ross, um, it was uh, it was fascinating last night to go into the suburbs and, uh, and see uh, a, a, a top-flight Australian side from the, the Premier League um, take on one of the national uh, sides, as uh, which we love, uh, a storied club uh, like the Melbourne Knights. Um, so, you know, can you take us into last night's one? 5,000 people there. You got the job done 1-0. But there was a lot of respect between the two sides. You, you know, you shared a, a meal post-match as one example. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a good insight for, for our listeners that the Australia Cup is as much about celebrating our past as we, you know, we look towards the future. And clear, clearly your side understood all of that.
4: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, we have to thank you know, the Northern Knights for being um, so welcoming to uh, for their grounds. And I was trying to think of the last time that I went there, and I thought it was back in 1997, but it was, I think, 2004 or something like that and uh, you know the, the dressing rooms were pretty much the same <laughs> it was um, we knew that it was uh, going to be a, a, a good crowd at uh, at the Melbourne Knights uh, stadium as well and, and and a lot of respect for the club because of you know what they had had achieved in the past in the NFL and also the amount of players that they produced um, out of the Melbourne Knights and you know our goalkeeper coach Frank Urich is from uh, the club and he played there and and also, I think won the championship there, and and also coached there, and Luke's trainer, the assistant coach, was also a coach there at the club. So there was a lot of respect, um, you know, for for the history of of the club, and and uh, again, it was always going to be tough going out there. The ground looked good, um, but it was very hard underfoot. Um, it was, uh, you know, sometimes these these games uh, going into the suburbs um, on these fields and. and you know, especially the Melbourne Knights, you know, for me, um, uh, having uh, you know witnessed teams like the Melbourne Knights, you know, Sydney United, you now that's their cup final, um, you know, the uh, so they're always going to play out of their skin, and, and you know, with a big crowd there as well, was um, you know, it was always going to spur them on, and it was going to be difficult for us. Um, there was a few things, you know, leading into the game that was, were also difficult for us, having to travel to Kauai during the week and, and uh, playing in a practice game against Newcastle Jets, and then travelling back. So that um, wasn't wasn't ideal, but you know, we we looked at it as a uh, a conditioning session um, as well on uh, on the Wednesday and. And again, like I said, it was it was always going to be tough. Um, but you know, credit to the players. You know, this playing group, you know, so show a, a lot of character and, and the bond that they have within this group. Um, you know, is, is something special because you know the Melbourne Knights didn't have a shot on target all night, and you know that goes um, you know a long way. Especially when uh, the brand of football that we do play is uh, risky at times. You know, we can get caught on the counter attack if we're not set up correctly and. And uh, you know a clean sheet was uh, very important for us as well. And you know, if we were a little bit more clinical in that front third, we could have had another couple of goals.
1: Mm, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it just stuff watching it from uh, the living room at home. So uh, you could you could sense the the tension there. That uh, a one real one nil result in a high stakes game like that inevitably delivers. Uh, uh, so Ross, you've been in the job nearly five months. It is a long off season, obviously between A Leagues, so, but clearly um, those uh, who are a leg watchers uh, as most of our listeners inevitably are um, it's a club you know well you were assistant under your brother John from 2015 to 19 so so what attracted you to to the raw position um, and and how have you found it so far in in your, in your tenure as, as we uh, we draw closer to, to yeah. the kick uh, the kickoff of the season
4: yes yeah, look it's been interesting yeah um, the when we've been training for 13 weeks now so um that's that's it, it's a difficult in itself trying to prepare to you know to get to a fitness level and the playing style uh, leading into the season proper as well as playing in the um, in in the cup as well in the Australia cup so that's been the tricky bit um when uh, I spoke to Ante Kovacevic about um coming to the club you know there was there was a few things that the club wanted um, to, to change the culture, the professionalism, um, also bringing through youth, uh, which you know, excited me because you know I've always been that coach that believes in youth, you know being a, uh, a young aspiring footballer myself, um, you know, having the opportunity the opportunity to play in the National Soccer League when I did. Um, and know, knowing, you know, how important it is to bring through your own, because you know, supporters want to see their own players, and, and especially when you've got players coming through, um, you know, whether it's your academy or youth team or even uh, local competitions, it's it's important for the club, uh, especially getting the right players in. Uh, so, you know, that that was attractive, but I did say to the club that um, it had to be the right fit for them. Um, myself coming in, but it had to be the right fit for me, and and. Um, you know the playing style. My playing style is is very important. It's something that I believe in and something I'll work hard towards, uh, especially during the weekend training. Because I also believe my philosophy is the way you play on the weekend is is uh, it comes from the way you train. And there's you know a few things that you can change in a game um, tactically, but your playing style you know, starts from within the training session. So. That attracted me, um, you know, moving back to Suncorp Stadium, coming to Brisbane was, was really important. Um, I, I, honestly believe that a club should be playing in the city, uh, where they're from, uh, and not, um, you know, and no disrespect to, to, uh, Dolphin Stadium, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's quite, you know, far for the Brisbane supporters to travel and, um, you know, the training, training venue, um, has changed, um, since I agreed to, to come to the club. Um, but, uh, Zach and Kaz are, are, you know, working hard to, to sort that out as well. And, and, you know, there was that change in, uh, leadership as well you know, throughout the pre-season. So, you know, it's, it, it wasn't easy, uh, I'll be honest with you. But, um, you know, the, the, when I was working under Ante and, and Chris Fong was, was great. And having Kaz and Zach, uh, involved now is, is being, you know, phenomenal. Their, their work ethic. Uh, is incredible you know we're watching what they do and and the long hours that they work and what they're trying to to do you know off the field um matches you know the philosophy and culture with what we're trying to do on the field so um no, that's the biggest difference um you know just just seeing the club um being one and united um from you know the the uh, management side uh into the playing side is is incredible and, and it's you know we could see um, early that it was uh, going to be something special um, because of everything that they were trying to do and and the playing group have been uh, phenomenal I can't ask more of them they uh, you know they've really embraced the uh, the training philosophy as well because it is different um, and uh, you know you saw the the senior players last night and, and throughout this pre-season and these cup games they, they've stood up and and you know, really believe in what we're trying to do, and and implementing it as as best they can. And and our focus is on us improving every single training session and every single game.
3: Ross, four years with your brother at Brisbane Roar, as Rob mentioned, another spell back at Adelaide United where you finished your playing career. Uh, it has been a, a rather long managerial assistant uh, apprenticeship, but keen to ask you about the last stop on that journey, Yokohama F. Marinos working under Kevin Musket, obviously a very successful time for the club, and a number of assistants have rolled through that system in, in recent years and gone on to find a degree of success elsewhere. So what did you learn and, and what did you observe? How did you find it under Musket?
4: Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, it was sad to leave Adelaide at the time because I think there was four games left in the season, but, uh, you know, this was on the cards for a little while and, and the borders had opened up in Japan. So it gave me the opportunity to, um, to go and coach over there. And it was one of the best experience, football experiences I've, I've had as a, as a coach. And um, just the way they did things, the way Kevin worked, his uh, psychology, the uh, coaching methods and, You know the 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 work ethic of of the Japanese players was phenomenal, and you know the amount of work that we did post training. uh, You know training sessions were were for the team Uh, here in Australia. You know a lot of the time there's coaches or or, strength and conditioning coaches or physios that you know wish stop uh, training sessions or they don't want players out on the field for too long because they're worried about injury, but. Over in Japan, you know, the humidity is a lot higher than what it is in Brisbane in the summertime. Um, And the players train for train for long periods of time and do extras after work. And that was part of my job to to extract things that didn't really go well during uh, a game. Um, I'd I'd click them, um, I'd do a keynote and present it to you know Kevin and and Sean, the coaching staff, and and show exactly what we we're going to do uh, post-training with these players. And, and I basically had two Japanese coaches under me as well, assisting in uh, the, uh, basically we call it the individual development program, but it was more position-specific programs. Um, and so that that was that was a big one for me because I, was, I did a lot of that when I was coaching women's football back in South Australia, when I was the head of women's football with the NCC program, and also Adelaide United. And I'm a big believer on on players doing extras um, to be able to to play a certain brand of football and and you know, the brand of football that we played over in Japan. Um, I've said it before. I know I'm a little bit biased, but uh, you know I thought we played the best football by far in the league, you know, most exciting and entertaining. Um, and you know that was the football that I believed in and that I loved, and and that's what I wanted to bring into my uh, coaching experience as well. So. Um you know, it it's uh slowly getting there. Um but like I said, the players they, they do they do work hard um, you know, for this for this team and they've been through a lot the last three, four seasons, you know, with training venues, you know, different venues for playing and um, you know, I, I do feel for the players and I've I've been in that situation before here at the club, but it's uh definitely changing now.
3: Got to ask you about the young man of the moment, Thomas Waddingham, eighteen years old, three goals in three, and the winner against the Melbourne Knights. He's been essential in this cup run that you've uh, you've gone on. So, what is it about him that uh, you have seen uh, that has seen you entrust him so quickly?
4: Yeah, well, <laughs> Thomas, um, it's interesting because when I came here, I mean, this is one of the things down back to the, uh, the one of the other questions was um, you know bringing through our youth, and I, I went to watch five or six uh, youth team games as well as the the under 23 games, and um, you know, hoping to, to see some talent there, and, and hopefully bring into the first team. And, and eventually, during pre-season, we actually brought in pretty much nearly every single player from from the youth team, and, and five or six from the under 23s, which were the younger players. And Thomas was one of those players that was playing up front, uh, sometimes on the wing, and uh, basically. <laughs> He went from strength to strength during pre season and and we didn't have a, a striker so um thomas we we put him up front and um you know he like i said he i think he was in harvey Bay he scored four or five um goals and you know, he could see some real potential but last night. Um, I know it was a little bit of a tap in uh for him and, you know, he was in the right place at the right time, but I'm not too sure how many people saw the run that he made when Jay O'Shea was running running through the middle with the ball, how he was gonna cross the line and, and shifted the central defender out of position which gave more space for Jay to, to run into and eventually get that shot off and and in the meantime the central defender had to stop and try and and block uh, Jay's shot and um and Obviously, uh, Thomas was in in that area where the ball uh, landed and and uh, put the ball in the back of the net. But he scored two great goals. Um, one against Sydney United, which was a header that we've been working on his runs quite a bit in training, and um, the uh, the movement for the goal against West Sydney Wanderers and across from Carlo Armiento was was a perfect cross. But the movement, you know, you know, taking the defender away from from the ball and then at the right time running in front of him, it uh, it showed you know something special uh, you know from uh, from Thomas and like i said he just works his socks off he's a he's a good honest player and and hopefully he will go from strength to strength and unfortunately we'll probably miss him for the first game of the season because he's going with the under 20 national team to uh spain um but uh, the deal was that he, if we made the final he had to uh be available for that final so now, it's a credit to the to the lab, but he's not the only one that's uh, that's improving out of sight there uh, you know there's a there's a whole heap of young players that are coming through that you know uh, uh, uh flourishing with with you know training with the first team uh, scholarship players and um and and learning off the life of j s a tom Aldred and you know Scotty Neville and uh, Jacking you know these experienced players Corey Browns coming in um you know he's almost uh, a, a, available for selection as well, you know, after having such a long period of time out. So it uh, really is a a real opportunity for for young footballers here in Queensland to have that opportunity to to come into the Brisbane Roar and and do well.
1: And before we we let you go, Ross, uh, you're talking about young players. There's one young player uh, that you've just signed 18 years old with a name that uh, any Australian football supporter, whether they follow uh, closely or otherwise, would recognise. His surname's Cale. That's... uh, Timmy Cale's son Shay spent uh, four years at the Everton Academy. Um, what can you tell us about um, young Shay and uh, how, yeah. hopefully, closely he resembles the old
4: man? <laughs> it's uh, this is an interesting one because um, he was training with uh, my brother's team in uh, at uh, Western United, and um, basically, um, my brother I think my brother spoke to Tim and, and um, said, "Look, you know, you're probably better off." Uh, taking Shay to brisbane um, under my brother, where he would have more of, more of an opportunity to uh, to play and um so you know we we uh, brought Shay in, uh, but I said to the coaching staff, don't, don't look at his surname, just look at him as the footballer and and um, and see you know what uh, you know what we see uh, you know if if he's the the player that um, that we can work with that we can um, you know build into a player for the future of the club. And like most of the other young players that we've got in the club, so that's basically what happened uh, with Jay. He um, you know, he did uh, quite well in uh, in training, and and there was also a deadline as well. We had to sign players, and it was I think it was the last day um, before the window closed. And um, you know we it was uh, a coaching staff decision that uh, you know we believed in the player that that he could uh, become a uh, a good footballer. Um, under the right training and and with the right mentality. And he did play on Wednesday in Coffs Harbour against Newcastle in the second half and and did really well, um, you know, which was pleasing. But, you know, the boy's six foot three, so he looks nothing like his father. (laughs) And, um, you know, everyone, I I know what it's like because, um, you know, people always see the surname and they say, oh, you know, is he like his father? People remember Timmy at the end of his career. But who remembers Timmy when he was 18? You know, was he a talent? Was he, uh, was he a hard worker? I, I, I probably think that... Didn't he uh, play that, is, uh,
1: that game for Tonga um, that we had all that trouble with over play, the years, Ross?
4: Yeah, he possibly did. But, you know, again, who knew of Timmy back then? Um, yeah. But the one thing I will say about Shay is, you know, he did have a growth... He must have had a growth spurt, but he's only just turned 18. Yeah. um and he's you know he's six foot three um he is he is quite uh slim um he will start to grow into his body, but he had some stress fractures from those growth spurts as well in his back um but he's technically very good um uh, he's a wiry uh, type of player but he's uh, he's quite strong for for you know someone his size as well so you know, we we definitely believe that there's something uh, to work with there and you know there's no pressure on uh, and I don't like using that that word with the, with the younger players because you know eventually they do feel the pressure. But there's no from the coaching staff and and from the playing group. There's no pressure on on our young players to you know perform week in week out. You know, the, the players, young players, go through ups and downs. And you know we've got uh, a number of young players. You know Mac um, Brownley, uh, Eddie Ince, who's uh who's a central midfielder. You know, these are all good players that are, that are coming through. And there's others there. As well, and and you know they we will give them time to to develop and and hopefully they get their opportunity in the next you know this season and and the seasons to come and and do well for the Brisbane Roar because the bottom line is majority of the players the young players that we've signed are all from uh, Brisbane or Queensland and you know they uh, they have that that uh, Queenslander mentality and that's something that we've driven into the players as well the the fighting Queenslander mentality we want to play a brand of football. Uh, that our supporters are proud of and have that mentality, that Queenslander mentality, that never say die attitude that fights for every single, uh, ball and, and, um, and, you know, just do it, do the best that we can and, and results, let the results take care of themselves. Well, if you look at the uh, the other two major codes this
1: weekend and the way that uh, the Brisbane uh, football of the oval shape is going, there's going to be plenty of expectation uh, on you coming into this season, Ross. Uh, mate, look, we, we could talk all night, Ross. Um, you know, we, uh, we we love your career independently of uh, of how closely it is connected to uh, to your great brother, John. And uh, um, now that you're in the manager's seat, um, we'll just make sure that um, blokes like Johnny Cosmina stay well away from you, mate. And, um, you know, you just... <laughs> <laughs> when uh, anyone gets a bit uh, antsy on the on the pitch, mate, you'll know how to respond because uh, you know that was one of the iconic moments of the A League back in the uh, <laughs> the early days. But uh, but it's fantastic to see you take the top seat, mate. And um, we really hope everything uh, goes well for you at, at Brisbane uh, in the season to come and in the uh, Australia Cup final in a couple of weeks' time.
4: Thank you very much, and I, uh, I uh, actually we all do uh, appreciate everyone's support. Um, you know, from for this season coming and and the final of the Australian Cup.
1: Yeah, good on you, mate. Uh, Ross Aloisi, manager of Brisbane, Roar, going into the A-League. It's going to be a great season and uh, and he deserves his shot at the main chair and uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Okay, we're going to switch to the other side of the world. We're going to Berlin after the break. We're going to talk to Kit Holden from The Athletic. There's plenty to talk about Julian Nagelsmann, Harry Kane <laughs> and St Paulie, of course, with Jackson Irvine and Conor Metcalf. That's next on Box to Box. Hey, it's Chemist Warehouse time, Willem they good. Footy finals time. I mean, we love football, of course, but we love football of every type on this show. We just don't talk about it a lot. Uh, but with the, uh, the NRL grand final, you've got the uh, Brisbane Broncos up against Penrith going for the three-peat. And then the AFL footy, the Mighty Magpies, ready to crush the Brisbane Lions. I'm seeing Adam there, not very happy. Uh, but uh, if you want to get yourself a chance to win, then it is time to get into Chemist Warehouse because the, the big footy finals sale is on now, and Willem, um, you love your, your, um, your vitamins
3: and your, and your proteins. Your protein. Certainly do. Yeah, no, they help me through the back end of my footy season, Rob, through my footy finals.
1: Yeah, exactly. It does uh, make all well, I know for a big, big difference. I'm training for the Melbourne Half Marathon um, in about three weeks' time now, so I need uh, every vitamin I can get. And right now, if you want to stock up, you can get the half price on the big brands like Swiss, Caruso's, Go Healthy, Henry Bloom's, Natropathica, and Wagner. There's also half price on Microgenics, Ethical Nutrients, Thompson's, Nature's Own, and Nature's Way. It excludes the bulk sizes. But remember, in addition to visiting your local chemistry Warehouse store, you can order online and click and collect to save time. Do you do that, Willem, or do you you, you, you love um, to go into the stores because you're always commenting about how well-dressed the Chemist Warehouse staff are?
3: I need the personable feel from the, from the friendly, shiny, smiling staff, Rob. So, no, I don't click and collect. I staff the computer as much as possible, but it's only a short walk, and as it would be for the majority of the population, given there are so many Chemist Warehouses around. It's just that convenient.
1: Exactly, but if you can't get down there, you can get fast delivery, same-day home delivery, but some TCCs still apply. Chemist Warehouse, the great savings are every single day.
2: Chemist Warehouse Why pay
0: more? Box to Box
2: Can you believe it?
0: For Chemist Warehouse
2: Great savings
0: every day And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices
3: Changing the mood of food And this could be the most crucial goal of all
1: Yes, this is Box to Box. Now, we can be accused from time to time of being a bit Premier League centric, but just whenever we do threaten to tip over the edge, we, we need to pull it back because we do love the Bundesliga, the City La Liga and all of the European top flights uh, uh, and, and love talking about them. We've got so much Australian representation at different levels of these leagues and... Uh, and right now, uh, a couple of Aussies doing well at St. Pauli, But there's a lot to talk about in German football. And the man we've got uh, and haven't uh, spoken to for a little while is uh, from the Athletic, Kit Holton. How are you, Kit? Yeah, very well, Matt. Thanks for having me yeah. on. Mate, so we'll probably reverse the order from what the the, the, the news story sort of agenda would be like. I think uh, names like Julian Nagelsmann and uh, and Harry Kane probably deserve a, 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 a higher news judgment than I'm about to give it. But from an Australian point of view, uh, St. Pauli uh, a good win over the weekend. They um, they were undefeated going into uh, the weekend, but uh, because of uh, the uh, the draws that they'd had were sort of on the, on the edge of that sort of promotion uh, group. But, uh, this, uh, this wins flicked them to the top and, uh, and with, uh, Jackson Irvine out injured for a month with that ankle injury, uh, it, um, it underscores what an important win that was. So, um, first of all, Irvine, uh, I guess we would have said before that match, how tough is it going to be for St. Paulie, but, uh, uh, they, they obviously displaying some depth that some of us didn't realize that they had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, was, I think it was a, a headline in the in the built Germany's biggest tabloid saying that uh, Marcel Hartel, the other uh, attacking midfielder there, has, has made Jackson Irvine forgotten and, and made St. Pauli forget about Jackson Irvine, uh, which is a bit of an exaggeration because I think anybody who's who's been to Pauli in the last couple of years and seen how, how well loved he is knows that you know he is he remains a, a, a hugely important player both both tactically in terms of football and also just generally as a leader as a um, you know as a kind of figurehead of that team. Um, Fabian Hutzler, the, the coach, was talking after the game as well about you know exactly that he's not it's not that Jackson Irvine has been has been edged out with the with the injury and, and not playing, but but certainly a, a fantastic result. And, and Marcel Hartel, who's a player I have a, a, a lot of sympathy and, and a soft spot for because he used to play for my club on Yon Berlin mm-hmm. uh, that I cover. So um, yeah, I think it's it, it's shown that that they have that depth as you say and and. A good sign for Poundy because, as you say, that early early stage of the season with those draws, it was it was looking a bit ropey, which was a shame because they ended last season so well and mm-hmm. and had that run of wins that that uh, really made them kind of uh, one of the, the the teams that people thought would would be challenging for promotion this year. So it's uh, it's good from from their point of view that they they seem to be turning that form into into wins again now and uh, and getting back into those those top spaces. And a a quick observation on Conor Metcalfe, he's been a a talent in Australian football for a
1: long time and uh, we, of recent years, far from our golden generation of 2006 when you you had the biggest of big names, Tim Cale and uh, Mark Schwartzer, Mark Vaduka, Harry Kuehl, that uh, we're now. Coming at a different level, but still achieving some great successes last year's World Cup uh, indicated, uh, getting through to the knockout stage. And Conor Metcalf has been one of the players that's been uh, fundamental to to that success. So how's he fitted in with Pauly?
0: Yeah, I think, again, it's uh, it's always going to pale in comparison to Jackson Irvine, as they say. I mean, you know, you only have to go to that stadium and and hear the way they welcome a player like Irvine to... To see how big he is, and and Conor, Conor Metcalf is obviously playing a, a slightly smaller role. But I think again that that the, the good thing about those teams and 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 playing in in second division German football or even first division German football is that you are always going to get the the chance because you know the, we're not talking here about teams built around major stars or, or or you know huge individual players. We're always talking about teams that are well drilled tactically that. Uh, you know, a, a based on on squad depth and 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 tactical discipline, and and you know, you're going to have rotation in those squads, and you're going to come to games. And I think, yeah, kind of Metcalf is, is fitting in well as well, and and hopefully those those players can, yeah, continue to kind of uh, maintain themselves at Powley and and stay in the team and and uh, yeah, push on.
1: Well, they've threatened promotion for a little while now, mate. So it'll be good to see if uh, if they <laughs> manage. So um, yeah, over you, Derek.
2: Yeah, moving to the Bundesliga, uh, there were plenty of games over the weekend with standout results, but uh, the one that caught the eye was obviously uh, Bayern Munich's 7-0 demolition of uh, Bochum and a, and a hat-trick for, for Harry Kane. Um, it's been a pretty easy, well, not pretty easy, pretty pretty good start for Harry Kane, to say the least. He's um, scoring, he's getting all sorts of records in, in Bundesliga for goals for the first five games. Seems to settled in pretty well. Um What's the analysis just been in, in Germany? I, I mean, I suppose outside the Bayern bubble as well as inside the Bayern bubble as to how Harry Kane has acquitted himself in the league, his attitude and training and what he's bringing to this, um, this Bayern team overall.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, First and foremost, it's showing just just how much Bayern missed a player like him last year. You know, after after Robert Lewandowski left for Barcelona, there was there was this attempt last year to kind of make it work without a, a, a classic number nine in that sense and a, and a classic front man leading the line. And obviously, Sadio Mane came in, but we know that that didn't really work out, and he didn't really kind of fulfil that role. And and I think you know you only had to look at. at, at those videos of, of, you know, Kane arriving in Munich and, and how happy Thomas Tuchel was to have him. You only had to look at how hard Bayern fought for him and, and the fact that they, you know, really effectively changed the way they they go about transfer business to get that that deal done. Um, you know, went slightly beyond what they'd usually pay, allowed themselves to be to be pushed a bit further than they normally would be, um, by a club like Tottenham because they they knew how important he, he would be and they and they really felt that he would he would fit in as, as quickly and easily as he as he has done. Um and yeah, it's it's obviously great to to, to see him doing that so quickly and, and yeah, that that gap was there, as I say, with the with the with the Bayern front line. That's that's very clear. But I think what's also clear is that is that Kane is is naturally um having been you know even captain for however many years and having led a team like tottenham uh to, to Champions fun he's naturally a a player who is used to coming in and saying okay i'm going to take a leadership role and i'm gonna i'm gonna step up and and uh you know lead from the front and lead by example um i think he, he kind of naturally fits into the way buy and play anyway you know this is a, a, a team that, that needs a player like that that uh you know the, the way he plays, both being a goal scorer and a, and a guy at the, the front of the line, but also being able to drop deeper and, and you know be a kind of uh, connection player with the with the wings is is something that, which works with Bayern's system. Um, he's got a good relationship with Leroy Sané already in the first few weeks, so it it all seems to be clicking into place. And I think a lot of it is also that that just his attitude, as I say, and, and you know we saw him this weekend is his first. Media trip to the Oktoberfest with his uh, with his Bayern teammates and beer in hand and wearing his lady and and doing all the stuff you need to do as a Bayern player and he and he just looked like like a fish in water if you if you like just somebody who was very very happy and had, had fit in very very quickly and uh, yeah I think uh, I think everyone's uh, extremely chuffed with that in in Munich because as I say they they really
2: needed that. He's probably going to be a bit of a flat track bully in in Bundesliga as exhibited by. The game of the weekend, but where they'll really want him to come to the party is in Europe. And of course, United. Uh, sorry, Bayern beat Manchester United four three. The result probably looks a bit closer than in reality how the, how the game went. How did um, Bayern fans and uh, or just generally German fans see that Bayern game versus United? Were the signs of optimism? United are still a dangerous team, albeit uh, you know not not where they'd want to be themselves, but. Was that a good start for for Bayern, and are they optimistic about the Champions League this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know people people are aware that that United are, are not the team they once were, and and they're aware of the start they've had this year, and so I think there was a a, a strong expectation that Bayern would win that game, and I think it would have been a. a there would have been a lot of criticism and a lot of worry if they hadn't um, won that game at home. But but at the same time, it is still Bayern United, and that you know for obvious reasons, historical reasons, is a very special special fixture and, and one that Bayern fans in particular are always extremely happy to win. Um, I think there's always a the thing with Bayern that. You know the group stage is the group stage, and it's nice to beat these big name teams. We saw it last year beating beating Barcelona and Inter Milan. But there's a there's an awareness as well that that doesn't necessarily translate into the latter stages and the knockout stages of the tournament um, for Bayern. It's it's pretty much uh, expected and 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 the minimum requirement to get into at least the quarterfinals every year, if not you know really the semifinals. Um, and the big question, if you look at the last few years, is not can Bayern, you know mix it up with the big teams in the group stage we know they can do that and they, they expect to be able to do that the question is can they can they maintain that into the latter stages of the tournament and can they really maintain themselves as as one of the top two three clubs in Europe and one of the one of the major title candidates and that hasn't been the case in the last few years um and I think that's there a lot there are a lot, people reserve judgment until until we get to the quarterfinals semifinals and you start playing teams like Real Madrid and, and Barcelona at that point
2: yeah, and th- looking at another uh, team that's uh, in uh, the Champions League, and I think you said you cover them. That's Union Berlin, Berlin having their first adventure. Uh, they lost to Real Madrid, uh, familiar name on the on the uh, team sheet there in Jude Bellingham, and um, they have Braga and Napoli uh, in the group as well. Um, are Union just happy to be there, or do we think now they've got the hardest game out? The- the other way which is Bernabeu um can they now rebuild and you know could they try and sneak a uh, sneak a second place in this group
0: yeah I mean it's, it's a funny funny uh situation for them because on the one level they are just happy to be there and this is way beyond anything anybody expected from on, on to be in the Champions League this year um and also you know we have to look at their league form at the moment they've they've lost three in a row they've they've lost at home twice in a row and they hadn't lost at home for about 18 months before that so I think they the for the for the next few weeks at least their their main focus will be very much on on getting that Bundesliga form back in back into decent shape. Um, and the Champions League is is still seen very much as a bonus but I think the, the nature of that performance against Real Madrid you know they took them all the way and and albeit they wouldn't have you know deserved to to win the game but but nobody would have expected that and they, they didn't get rolled over they they managed to kind of withstand them right until those those last 30 seconds when when Drew Bellingham popped up and I think that that will give them a lot of confidence the players were saying after the game I was there and the players saying after the game that it, it should give them confidence both for the league and and the remaining Champions League games and I think Generally, the the expectation is still that it be a straight fight between them and Braga for that third place and and the Europa League um, spot, if you like, going going past the winter. But I think having having played that well in that game, um, having taken Madrid, Real Madrid so far, there is a sense that yeah, okay, if, if you get a bit of luck and things go way your way. You can maybe nick a nick a result at home against Napoli, and then and then you know, if you if you do well against Braga in both those games, then why not finish second? So, I think with Onion, it's always the case that you know, nobody expects anything, but but increasingly it seems anything is possible because of what, what that club has achieved in the last few years.
2: Uh, one more from me, and just moving on to the, the national team, I, I want to actually talk about the outgoing manager Flick and. Where his career now sits, because it was quite a meteor meteoric rise. He'd obviously been an assistant coach for a long time, not with the national team, and then about at Bayern before he got his chance. And I seem to recall he was seen as a bit of a caretaker before results came good, and and the uh, the big the big voices in the the Bayern squad sort of said that they'd like him to to be the full time manager. Of course, he then went on to win a load of silverware, including the Champions League and then went on to the national side. But, you know, what is his employability now, you know, and do you think it could even sit outside Germany or do you think it's more of a case of he's a, very much seen as a German coach and has had his success in Germany but doesn't have this sort of the luster or the the name appeal of, of other managers that go manage in different countries? So um, what next for Flick? What, what could he expect uh, the next stage of his career?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and I think I think one of the things that that is often said about him, and it was said when he when he just took over at Bayern, and and uh, and also now that he's he's just lost that job in the national team, is that he was always seen much more as a a, a, a specialist, you know, a, a tactical expert rather than a, a, a leader. And and he's, there's an accusation against him that, that he perhaps isn't so good in under the lights in that sense, and he's he's not the person who who loves to do interviews, and and you know is, is going to be kind of in the public eye a lot and and that was potentially why people were a bit bit surprised that he took the Bayern job initially and and also it's one of the things which which you know people have leveled against him in in the last few months of his of his uh time at Germany is that he wasn't that good at that side of it which is obviously so important if you're you know national team coach and and you know going into a, a home tournament as well so uh, it's it's difficult to see what he does next. I, you know, I think with that in mind, uh, I'd be surprised if if you know he were to suddenly pop up and take another. You know, I'm probably the only other job in Germany that is that is anywhere near as big as those two is is Borussia Dortmund. Um, and and you know that that job isn't vacant in the moment. So, so in any case, I, I don't really see him going into a big job in Germany. I also struggle to see him in a big job abroad because you know again that's that's partly one of the things that's never against him. He's seen as a as somebody who's very much within the German system, he he he's very very good at yeah, as I say, that tactical side of things, but but not as a kind of front man and and you know in other other countries, you're even more expected to be in the front line. If you think about England, you know you're not you're not just a coach there; you're a manager, you're you're the the, the entire sort of uh, mouthpiece for the club in a lot of ways. And I don't think Flick would necessarily suit that very well. Um, it's perhaps more likely that he goes back into the role that, that he was in before, which is you know being. An assistant coach, maybe in a big role, or being a, a background guy, a strategy guy, whether it's a director of sport or or some kind of role like that at a club like Bayern or, or within the DFB again. Um, then maybe a, a little period of uh, grace period before that. But but I think that's perhaps more more what we'd expect to see what anyone would have expected to see flick do in any case before he before he uh, uh took over Bayern a few years ago and had such success so i think that's probably his his future but you know we'll see i might, I might be proven wrong maybe he's uh, he's determined to to right the wrongs and, and set the record straight after that, that which in inevitably
1: leads us into uh Julian Nagelsmann appointed, thirty six years old, to take on the medal of Demandschaft uh, a heavy role. It's not very often you you refer to as a as a football manager as a Wunderkind, but uh, he he would be one if there was. Uh, from you know, he was barely thirty when uh, he went on that run with Hoffenheim, and then Abby uh, Leipzig, and uh, and then ultimately sacked from Bayern. But uh, he he is a a, a mercurial talent. Uh, does in your opinion, somebody who watches the Bundesliga as closely as anybody, um, have the capacity to to turn this ship around. Uh, um, you know, less than twelve months away from a, a home Euros, where there'll be, you know, it's just Germany, massive expectations.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's quite obvious that it's that it's a bit of a kind of last gasp attempt to salvage something you know hiring man, there wasn't really anybody else who was on the market who who fit the bill in the in the way he did and so you know it's it's more of a kind of an act of desperation than it is a you know uh, a really considered and 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 you know decision that that you'd think people were you know coming to after five years of liberation no, this is a very very short-term decision by by uh, definition but at the same time i think it it could work i mean Nagelsmann has. Um, we saw that just after he was sacked at Bayern. You know, he clearly has a very good relationship with with a, uh, a lot of those players who are in that in that squad, the, the Germany squad who are at Bayern. Whether it's Joshua Kimmich or, or Leon Goretzka, um, they were very disappointed to see him go uh, from Bayern, despite the, the the bad results at the end there. Um, and I think he can he can very very quickly build on on those relationships. I think. He's obviously quite determined, again, to set the record straight. He talked about not making the same mistakes he made at Bayern. He was very keen to to kind of present himself as as, uh, as something different to a lot of the clichés and a lot of the accusations that came at him at Bayern. He, you know, it was seen, he was seen as maybe being a bit cocky and maybe being a bit too too arrogant, maybe tinkering a bit too much with, with the systems. And he was really trying to say, look, I'm going to keep it simple tactically and, you know, I've learned my lesson and, and you know, I can be a bit more humble and a bit more bit more down to earth in the way I present myself. Um, that was definitely the the general vibe of, of that first press conference. So I think he's he's obviously, you know, he's obviously a very confident man anyway. He always has been, but you have to be to, to be a Bundesliga coach at the age of 28 or whenever it was. But mm. but I think he's, he's keen to say, okay, look, I've learned from my mistakes at Bayern. This in, in some ways is a very, very similar team. There's a lot of the same players in the squad. Um, and, you know, it's a chance for him to show that actually, you know, despite the results, it was, you know, it was, it was bad luck as much as anything at Bayern, so he'll be determined to do that. They can turn it around very quickly. I mean, yeah, that happens in, in national teams. You see that all the time, you know, the, the ups and downs of international football and Germany. You know, <clears throat> everyone will be drawing the comparison with 2006 in the coming months, the last time Germany held, held a major tournament. And if you look back to 2004 and 2005, when, when uh, Germany were in the build up to that tournament, the results weren't good and everybody in Germany was saying, oh, it's terrible. We're going to get knocked out in the group stage of our own, of our own World Cup. Um, it's a very similar situation now. You know, the expectations are low. And I think that can can help Nagelsmann to a certain extent because, as I say, he's got a good base to build on. And, and effectively, he, whatever he does, he can he can overshoot on expectations.
1: Yeah, well, short of the World Cup, the Euros is uh, the biggest footballing event on the planet. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be watching with uh, fascinated interest to see how he goes. It's one of the biggest stories uh, in the run-in. And uh, I'm sure we'll get the chance to talk to you about it again, Kit. Hey, but we'll let you go. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Your absolute wealth of knowledge about German football, mate, and uh, to, to cross some of the different leagues and, and international uh, uh, stories that uh, that we've covered just now uh, is uh, it's great. So thanks uh, again for joining us, Kit. And we'll um, we'll talk to you again soon. mate. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers, guys. Excellent, Kit Holden from the Athletic. Okay, stick around. to World Cup corner next on Box to Box
0: well, willa, willa. everybody's going to buy hoit Spices. Everyone's going to save a dollar or two.
4: Everybody's going to buy hoit Spices, yeah.
1: Hey Willem, Flavour Pack Meals. You know, we're recording in the evening, Monday evening as we speak, and uh, I usually get a bit hungry halfway through the podcast. You got your dinner planned?
3: I do tonight, but not for tomorrow. What can you tempt me into? Well, I've got some pork medallions off
1: the bone. A little bit of fat, you know, that sort of scotch fillet type pork. Um, and I've got my, uh, my Weber barbecue out the back. It's going to fire up pretty soon. And I've got the, uh, the, the wood fire, smoke fire barbecue where I can turn it on from the app. right? So I'll be able to turn it on while I'm doing the end of the show with you. And then I can get my barbecue pork medallions on. But I seasoned them before we started
3: recording. Cajun spice type job for a little bit of extra flavour? Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, well, what's my go-to spice that I always put on everything? The four clove seed. Ah, oh, you got it now. Well, hey. you got the four in there—the four colour peppercorn mix. That's the one. Yeah, that's it. Some white rock salt. So you got it. It's, uh, uh, it's the great flavour that just goes with everything. in the rock salt, of course, you just don't want to go over the top. But then I got the chilli powder, the garlic powder, uh, some cumin, some smoked paprika, and some cayenne pepper, just for a bit of heat in there as well. A little bit of olive oil. I'm going to barbecue it over the, the wood fire pellets and uh, I'm going to have it with a potato salad and a green salad on the side and it's just those spices that are going to jump out and the flavours are going to dress the rest of the food If it was just plain old pork cutlets mate, it just wouldn't be any good, would it? No, no good at all. Exactly, that's why Hoyt's changes the mood of food Remember, refill your empty spice jars with Hoyt's value packs. I think Derek was talking about having done that a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? Certainly was He's listening to the ads, doing the right thing You'll be happy with Hoyt's at Coles, or worse, and all good independent supermarkets
0: Fill those empties
2: with Hoyt's Spices, yeah. Box to Box. Can you believe it?
0: For Chemist Warehouse.
2: Great savings
0: every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And
3: this could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: Yeah, this is Box to Box. Uh, I love talking to guys like Kit Holden. So, So deeply immersed in every level of the game that no matter what you fire at him, He's got a really intelligent and considered response. So, uh, box to box is always just a little bit better for a smart bloke like that being on the show. But uh, we're going to wrap it up now, Willem. Uh, Derek with uh, World Cup Corner. Uh, Willem, there's always uh, an angle that, um, that you pluck for us. Uh, which
3: is it going to be today? There's always a way to find a... Uh a wedge to be driven into the the concept of World Cup corner. Rob, Ross Aloisi, earlier in the program referenced that uh, young Thomas Waddingham, scorer of three goals in the Australia Cup so far, is heading off to Marbella. He's one of 23 players that Trevor Morgan has named for his Joey's squad that are going to the esteemed Marbella week of football. They're going to play under 19 teams. These are our Australians uh, against France, Denmark, and the Netherlands. Waddingham is one of 16 Australian-based players also uh, making the trip that we... Uh, You know, viewers of the A League uh, would be aware of uh, Max Caputo of Melbourne City and Luka Jovanovic, who scored uh, quite a a flurry of goals for Adelaide United late last season when he got his senior opportunity. Uh, Another name to watch out of this lot is the goalkeeper, Anthony Pavlosic. This is a separate Pavlosic to Adam, who had previously been through Sydney FC, and there's still hopes that he'll kick on in his career. Uh, But this is Anthony Pavlosic. He moved in January from Sydney United 58 to Bayern Munich, if you don't mind. Uh, So big raps on him. The first game of that tournament is against France on October 12. And news around the senior soccerers this week as well. They're going to kick off their 2026 World Cup campaign, can you believe, with a qualifier against either Bangladesh or the Maldives in Melbourne. So that one will be played at Amy Park on November 16. Uh, they'll play a second qualifier within that window five days later away against Palestine uh, before qualification resumes next March out the other side of the Asian Cup. So, uh, Rob, we have a obviously an expanded world. world. Cup this time around, 48 teams, so there are more sides that qualify from Asia. So this initial run of six matches is deemed the second round of qualifiers. Mm -hmm. So we're with Lebanon, Palestine, and either Bangladesh or the Maldives. so four uh, teams in the group. The top two of this group and the top two of the other eight groups are going to advance, so that gives us 18 teams that make it into the third round, that 18. Is then split into three groups of six, and from there we're away for a little while to find out uh, which sides are going to make it to the World Cup uh, and which have to battle it out with other confederations. They have retained uh, that inter-confederation playoff, yeah, the cutthroat mechanism that we know so well from our uh, multiple times through uh, through that system in World Cup qualifying history. Derek, you're going to uh, you're going to wrap us up uh, with a little tidbit. Megan Rapinoe, we know she's uh, she's called time and now. She is officially uh, ready to hang up the boots.
2: Yeah, I want to talk about Megan because uh, this is her last international game that she's just played, uh, the beat South Africa 2-0 in Chicago at Soldier Field, where I've seen the USA play men's playing an international friendly when I was over for the Chicago Marathon. That was a long time ago, 13 or 14 years ago, I think. Um, but a great, obviously an amazing career on the pitch and obviously more off the pitch. Rob and I were really really lucky to um, see her final game in a World Cup in that in that uh, very tight affair against Sweden that went all the way to the penalty shootout. out. I'll have memories of Rapano running up and down the touchline with her pink hair, um, egging her teammates on from behind the goal. And every time she just trained, there was just a buzz that went around the stadium. And then she finally came onto the pitch. There was a big buzz for that as well. Some boos too, which were, were unsavory and I think misjudged. She didn't get it done uh, on on the night and she's um, missed a penalty, of course, in that shootout. Uh, Pine handsome to the right, unfortunately for her. But at 38, I don't think she's got anything left to, to do in the game apart from some domestic football. Um, she'll retire on the 15th of October um, in the uh, NWSL. Um, when she uh, when she will be playing the Chicago Red Stars in that game. So, well done, Megan. I'm sure it won't be the last time we'll we'll see you involved in the game, and uh, all the best for the next steps. I think.
1: Yeah, it was um, interesting uh, to be in in the stadium that night, wasn't it, Derek? Uh, when you see a titan uh, of her stature uh, uh, ending her World Cup uh, experience and ending it in such. Uh, a bizarre manner. Um, it, it it was almost surreal, wasn't it? Uh, so uh, to think that that's the last um, uh, chapter of her career would be uh, underestimating the, uh, the 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 story that is her uh, her uh, football journey. I, I'd imagine that she's going to end up in some kind of administrative capacity, making some kind of difference uh, over the, the long journey. And um, and we'll reflect back on this as uh, an opportunity we were we were lucky to participate in.
2: Yes, I agree. Well, brilliant, brilliant memories, Uh, you know, and I'm glad even at the very tail end of her career, I I was glad to have have at least see her play uh, in the flesh. So uh, interesting to see the next step.
1: All right, well said. All right, boys. Well, uh let's wrap it up there. Good show. Good chats with uh with Ross Aloisi earlier on. It'll be fascinating to see how his uh, managerial career evolves and uh, and Kit uh, Holden talking about the the Bundesliga. Hopefully um Jackson Irvine returns to uh St. Pauli and helps them with their uh, uh their promotion push. Uh, Willem um we'll see you a bit later on in the week in stoppage time.
3: Yeah, plenty more to come, Rob. Excited. I've uh I had a question that I wanted to put to Derek, but he's uh, he beat me to it with his with his topic. So I'm looking forward to asking him. Have we seen the Premier League bottom six set in stone already? Six weeks in.
1: Okay, well that'll be interesting to hear, Derek. I'm sure you're all ripped and uh, ready to go.
2: Absolutely. See you on Stop of time, guys.
1: And to our good friend Adam Maloney for pulling the whole show together and making sure it is. Just the way that uh, we hope it will sound when you get the chance to listen to it. Now, if you have a moment, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite shows and make sure you subscribe to Box to Box Stoppage Time and Offside. Uh, well, I think it's post us now, not tweet us. I was reading during the week to try and work out the correct terminology. Yeah, post us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on X, like us on Facebook, and join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop. And we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.